cross I gleam It's suffering I do dream Of its work I do see For all it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Showed that God is love
in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. It's true. It's true. In fact, we call it the nothing box. And of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. (laughs) If a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. 
you know, like fishing. So uh, that's Montgomery. If you guys were here a couple years ago, he came up. He does uh, um, marriage seminars, and we're going to be hosting him at the church again on March 13th and 14th. Tickets are available out in the Cove. Um, you can get them online as well at laughyourway.com. Just a really good couple, one night in the morning, just to spend time with your spouse, just laughing and encouraging one another. They do a really cool personal analysis, a personality thing that goes along with this, and it's just awesome. When he came up last time, me and Lauren came, and we brought some friends. We had a blast. So we just wanted to offer it to the community again. Um, definitely spread it out past our church because we have a lot of avail- availability for it. So um, uh, we wanted you to know that that is coming up, and that's sort of what it's like. He's just a really funny guy. So there are some classes today as well that we wanted to let you know of. Class 101, which is our introductory class. It's called Connecting with Friends. Um, it, it's a good class if you want to know the purpose, mission, uh, ministry opportunities here at Friends Church. Um, we'd like you, welcome you to come to it. It's, a, it's the first one if you want to plug in deeper to be more part of the core body, then we would love for you to go. Um, we always have childcare and, and meals provided for that, so that's going to be after this, the 11 o'clock service today at 1245. And if you want more information on that, uh, you can go to the meet and greet table in the coffee shop after the service, and we can give you more information. And then also class 401, anybody that's been through 101 and a couple of the other classes, um, this is a four-part seminar on evangelism and making disciples. And uh, it's going to be kicking off today as well at 1245. And it's just a really, really cool thing just to see uh, how God's global plan includes reaching people for Christ here in the world and how, how do we get involved with that in a very applicable uh, sense in our lives. How do we become part of the greater plan of the gospel here in Friends Church and in Fairbanks? So that class is going to be today as well, 1245 after 11 o'clock service. Child care and lunch are provided for that. Um, And then I just wanted to take a second. A lot of you have noticed probably in the last few months that we've had Josh Labuda heading up worship. Um, And just in this new season, basically about the end of the year, Ben asked us if he could just step away and focus on his family, and we totally supported them on that. Um, they've been spending some time down in Anchorage because of uh, Katie's mom. Some of you know the medical issues, but Cheryl's doing really good too, so they're back now. And they're still part of the church, but um, so we asked Josh if he would step up and head up uh, worship ministries, and I don't know about you guys, but we've been blessed to see him just take the reins and run with it. So I wanted to just officially announce him as the head of our worship ministries and just give him a second to introduce himself. Um, and just, yeah, so you know a little bit more about him. Hi, everybody. I'm Josh Labuda. Um, my family has become into French Church since they were in the China Bingo building forever ago. And it's been, a, it's been incredible to see, like, how we, as a church, come together as a community and work really hard together just to, just to be close and to understand who God is together. It's about being a family. And I, that's a good, it's been, I've stayed here because that's, that's what this place is. And it's just an honor to be a part of the worship team and this amazing musicians giving their time. And it's caused me to grow 
and both spiritually and as a musician. And um, it's just, it's, it's been awesome to do that. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, man. So let's just give it up for all of the people in our worship ministry that just, they volunteer so much time and effort to do what they do. And um, we are so blessed to have the musicianship and the hearts that we have in our church for worship. So totally, totally awesome. Um, at this time, we're going to just stand in and greet one another, dismiss the kids, the kids church. If um, you are visiting, we'd love to welcome you to the meet and greet table out in the coffee shop afterwards. We have a gift for you. So meet us out there after the service. And we'll be back in just a second. Thank you for being here.
You know, it's funny. I posted that video up on our Facebook page this week, just sort of on a whim. Actually, it wasn't a whim. Somebody had requested it, and they said, can, you, can, you sh- can we give us that? Can you show it uh, somewhere? Is there, is there some way I can copy it and you know, send it to my friends because it's super cool, it's super uplifting, and I really want them to see it? And I said, sure. And I decided I'll, I'll boost the post. You know, you can boost the post on Facebook pages, you know, pay a little extra money, and they'll send it out. When we did that this week, 2,600 people clicked on that video. I mean, we boost posts all the time. We do that, you know. It's usually like, oh, Brian's sermon. I'm going to boost that so more people see that. <laughs> I'll throw my own money in for that thing. I'll take... But no, seriously, nothing like that has ever happened before. And it's just, it's, it's, it's when you know that the message that you've been given, the mission that you've been given, and you're on track uh, is when everything comes together. And... I'm going to tell you a little bit about how that happened this week for me, and I want to uh, take up the offering right now, but first we'll pray. We thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity every week to come in and worship uh, in your name in both song and and in giving, Lord. We ask that you uh, make us cheerful givers and that the money gets to exactly where it needs to be to serve your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so this is one of those money messages. It's, it, for those of you visiting for the first time, um, we, 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 you know, we've always kind of shied away about talking about giving. And this won't be specifically about giving today. This is going to be more about getting, believe it or not. Yes, I know, coming into a church and hearing a message about getting, right? It's kind of a strange thing. But I was saying just a few seconds ago that everything about this message seemed to come together. And it didn't from the start, I can tell you that. From the start when we were mapping this out, you see, we... We sit down and we talk about uh, what sermons we're going to do over the next month, two months. We've actually got the next six months planned out. We've been praying about it, talking about it. We know what we want the church, uh, where we want the, the church to go, and we have a vision for it that God has given us, and we are going to stay on that path and stay true. And when Eric suggested this series, it was a, it was a no-brainer. We thought, man, there is so much in there. And we were divvying up the parts, right? And everybody was slicing out the parts that they thought they wanted to talk about. And so there was like, uh, you know, Eric did, uh, you know, the hallowed be thy name. And, and, and Floyd got thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then basically, Brian, you can have bread. I get, I get bread? Thank you. I appreciate that. I will try to dig in through the Bible. I'm sure there's something in there about bread, you know, uh, and so at the first, I was like, okay. And then when I started digging in, I'm like, man, of course, there are so many stories that revolve around bread in the Bible. You know so many of them. Of course, Jesus and feeding the 5,000. And I was, we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about Moses in the wilderness. And bread ends up being so much more than bread. And I don't have a clicker. I don't know what I did with it. It's up here somewhere. So if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and clicking to the next uh, slide. That'd be awesome. Uh, the first slide, I should say. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. So Bill Hybels in his book, uh, Too Busy Not to Pray. Uh, in fact, we're doing a small group uh, study using this book, Too Busy Not to Pray. So you can sign up for that if you like. But Bill Hybels starts out his book. He says, prayer is an unnatural activity, an unnatural activity. From birth, we have been learning the rules of self-reliance, especially here in America, right? And self-sufficiency. Prayer flies in the face of such deep-seated values. It is an assault on the independent living. 
to people in the fast lane determined to make it on our own, prayer is an embarrassing interruption. Prayer is alien to our proud nature. Yet somewhere, someplace, we all reach the point of falling on our knees, bowing our heads, and fix our attention on God and pray. We pray because experience tells us, or it's our intuition, or whatever you want to call it, tells us that if we want to communicate with God, this is the only way we're going to be able to do it. And it's in those moments of prayer when you're connecting with God and you feel it that you truly will find peace, that you will truly have knowledge, that God will reveal things to you. Now, skeptics may argue that answered prayers are only coincidences, but there was an archbishop who once said, it's amazing how many coincidences occur when we begin to pray. Isn't that true? And the more you pray, the more coincidences get coincidences. And then after a while, the coincidences cease to be that. They cease to be uh, uh, something that merely happens by happenstance. They become the truth. They become a fulfillment. You come to expect these things to happen. It takes practice. And sometimes uh, you'll go in with one expectation And you'll come out with something completely different because God has spoken to you. So you'll go into it saying, I need this in my life. God, please give me this. And you pray and you ruminate and you you sit with God for a while. And by the time you end, maybe you didn't get what you wanted to when you started the prayer. But God has given you exactly what you need by the time you've ended the prayer. And it's amazing how that works. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. What are we praying there? We're praying a prayer of dependency. We trust God. We trust our Father, that He's our provider. Deuteronomy 8.17 challenges our self-sufficient culture. Listen to this. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. For it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth from the beginning. In other words, you have the ability, yes, to provide for your family and provide for yourself. To make sure that you have a a roof over your head. But that ability comes from God. There is a reason we have that phrase. A God-given ability. Because the fact of the matter is. We all have God-given abilities. Because every one of our abilities starts from God. And we need to understand. So when we're saying we're being self-sufficient. It's only up to a point. Okay. We, We might be grabbing the reins back. And relying upon our own hands to do something. But remember where you got those hands. Give us this daily bread means not daily, guys. It means not weekly, not monthly. It means every day, every hour, every minute, every second. You have to understand that God sustains every moment of our lives. He didn't just create this amazing world that we live in, this amazing universe where everything works just so. It's just finely tuned and what we know finely tuned for our existence so that his plan for our salvation can hand everything that we do he sustains every moment every breath that we take he is here some people think that god just created the universe washed his hands a la pontius pilate and stood back and said okay i'll see you at the apocalypse that's not what happened all right god is with us all the time Every breath we take, he is right there waiting for us to call on him. 
When the children of Israel were freed from the slavery in Egypt and they found, you know, the Egyptian army coming after them. You, you know the story, of course. Uh, the, 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 the Jews had been held um, by Pharaoh and all the Pharaohs successively in Egypt for about 400 years. And Moses came along, you know, he had a pretty cushy thing going on there and left the palace and said, oh, yeah, I found out I'm Jewish, so I got to leave now and, and go make bricks without straw and life's going to be pretty crummy and there's going to be this whole Passover thing where the green mist comes in there. You remember the show. But, and, and then he says to Pharaoh, he goes, right, he says, if you don't do this, if you don't let us go, I'm going to have to do A, B, C, and D, you know, these, all these plagues and locusts and frogs and the Nile turning to blood and the firstborn, everybody. It's going to be bad news for everybody. And Pharaoh's like, no, I'm, I'm not letting you go. After a couple of these plagues, he's like, oh, okay, I changed my mind. And then he walks away and he goes, no, 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 I'm still not letting you go. And then it's just over and over and over and over. And he keeps saying, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Finally, Pharaoh's like, okay, I've had enough of this. I, I can't get the blood off. There's, it's just nasty. There's dead locusts everywhere and frogs and so on and so forth. We've got to get rid of these Jews. Let's just get them out of here. Moses, you take them, get them. Take them as far as you can go. I don't want to have anything to do with your kind anymore. So they go. They're, they're, there's like 100,000 of them. I don't know how there's a ton of them. And they're all like marching out um, out of Egypt. Um, and as bad as things were back there, at least they had three square meals, right? And now they're, they're marching. They have no idea where they're going. They're free, yay, but now what? And, of course, then they hit the Red Sea, and they're thinking, what are we going to do? Okay, we're going to have to go around. We don't have boats. And about then, they turn around. They hear some rumbling. And who's behind them? It's Pharaoh, right? The whole Egyptian army. Of course, Pharaoh's changed his mind again. He's coming after him. And what do the Jews do? Oh, yeah, thanks, Moses. You brought us all the way out here. Now we're going to get killed and slaughtered and blah, blah, blah. Moses is like, oh, just please be quiet, okay? Just be quiet. I'll take care of this. God, help me out here. And so God, he's a faithful guy. He says, okay, boom, parts the Red Sea. They all cross. Yeah, it was a great ending, wasn't it? Actually, there's more to the story. Because as the Jews get across, what happens? The Egyptian army follows them and that's right. You think by now the Hebrews would be like, sweet, God's got us. I mean, look at this. He got us out of bondage after 400 years. There's been plagues, looks, everything Moses has said would happen has happened. We need to believe in God. He's awesome. No. They're just like us, right? We trust God up to a point. We're like, yeah, God can do this, 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 and this, but I don't know. You know, that whole parting of the Red Sea could have been a coincidence, right? No. You get them out there into the wilderness. They're out there in the desert. And there's, there's 100,000 of them. Just, we'll just give them 100. We'll say there's 100,000 of them. And they got all their livestock, all their stuff with them. And they're like, we're hungry. We're starving. Moses, seriously. Yeah, things were bad back there making bricks for pyramids. But at least we had food. You brought us all the way out here. And now we're going to starve to death, Moses. Thanks. Appreciate it. Moses is like, are you serious? Really? You, you, all, you've seen all that God has done, and you don't think he's going to be able to? Oh, well, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Okay. Exodus 16, chapter 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you each day. Each day the people should go out and gather enough manna for that day. On the sixth day, they're to gather twice as much as they gathered on the other days. The bread from heaven was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 
The Lord said to Moses and to the children of Israel, then you will know that it was the Lord who supplied you the meat in the evening and the bread in the morning. For 40 years, God fed them. And there's some cool things in the story, in case you don't know. Okay, when he said, remember, you go out and you collect bread just for that day. And does anybody know why you only collected it for that day? It's spoiled. It's spoiled. Now, follow me here. So they collect, they, they collect bread for each and every day. But on Saturday, on the sixth day, they collected enough for Sunday, too. Why is that? Because you rest. Right, you rest. So God, on the sixth day, he didn't make that bread spoil. He made it last for two days. Why do you think it is? I mean, he's God. He can make bread that lasts more than a day, right? His, he could have like that wonder bread that you could just leave out on the shelf. Yeah, it lasts forever, right? Soft and gooey, and you can mush it up into a dough ball and eat it, you know. Yeah, mm, no nutritional value at all, but it tastes really good. It's like Twinkies. God rained Twinkies from heaven. So, but it didn't, and so the reason he wanted it, he made it spoil every single day is because he wanted people to know that every single day, he wanted people to be reminded that every single day he is going to provide for them. And he did that for 40 years. I know a member Floyd made a crack a couple of weeks ago about me being the VeggieTales pastor, and that's true. I love the VeggieTales. I own that, and if you've ever seen the VeggieTales about manna, it's hilarious, okay? Larry got a little tired of eating manna every day for 40 years and wants a burrito. It's a great one. Go back and watch it. You'll love it. It's a good one. You know, there's this story. Um, It's a true story. Uh, After the Korean conflict, the Korean War in the 1950s, it was a horrible thing. Okay, this is different warfare than we're used to today. And a, a good chunk uh, of the adult population in South Korea was killed, mothers and fathers. Everybody got involved in the wars back then. It wasn't just a draft and the men went. Okay, everybody was, was being killed in the slaughter, in the struggle. And what was left behind was this whole generation of orphan children. And the Americans and the uh, other Western uh, 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 countries came in to support those, those, those children that were left behind and opened hundreds and hundreds of, of orphanages and brought these kids in and made sure that they had clothing, made sure that they had uh, medicine, uh, education, and food. Because you understand that these kids, imagine having a five- or a six-year-old kid, no parents, has to get up every day and look for food. Hunger pains just gnawing at them. And this was their existence. And, of course, we came in, Christian missionaries, the governments came in and took care of these kids. But there's something about these kids they couldn't figure out. At nighttime, they couldn't get them to go to sleep. They would start shaking and crying uncontrollably, and they couldn't figure out why. And so they decided to to delve into it a little bit further to find out exactly what it was that was causing these kids so much anxiety. And they found out that despite the fact that these kids were being fed on a regular basis, so ingrained in their mind was that the next day they were going to have to go out and look for food. That it scared them to death. They could not sleep at night. And so you know what they ended up doing? They would go into the orphanages, and as they tucked the kids into the bed, they'd take a small piece of bread and they'd put it in his hand, and the kids would go to sleep like that. 
And that's what it's like to depend on God for our daily bread every day. If we could hold on, can you imagine? If we could go to bed, and we know we can, that's the thing. We can go to bed, tuck ourselves in, say our prayers, and know that the very next day, God will provide. Everything about this message this week has, has just dug this into my brain. It has been, everything has been confirmation after confirmation after confirmation from the very fact that on, was it Tuesday? On Tuesday, we start the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace Class. Everything that's at the church, I've had, I've had uh, staff members call me up on the phone reconfirming these things. In my own life, things have, have confirmed the fact that, listen, I need to stop being so anxious about things. I need to stop trying to be so self-sufficient about things and depend upon God for my daily bread. Next slide, please. The Bible teaches us, guys, that we serve a mighty God. A God who is just looking for opportunities to pour out his blessings. It's like God was saying, you know, what good are my resources if I don't have somebody to share them with? I need to create a world in which I can have creatures whom I can bless. Let me ask you a question. How many of you out there, uh, parents, love your children? Okay, a few of you. guess it's good we're starting a parenting class here and it's a year long so i hope to see very a few of you signed up for that okay that's all right (laughs) but in love god predestined us to be adopted as his children he's our father now if we're his children then heirs of god and co-heirs with christ he wants us he created all this for us most of us love our children and we want to be generous with our children which is why Jesus said, if you remember from this, Matthew 7, chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. This is pretty cool. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? Judging by some of the hands that didn't get raised, I'm guessing some of you would give him a snake. <laughs> if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Evil, we're evil. Okay, I mean, we, need, we should just understand that. In, in our basic nature, we're evil. evil. God makes us good. And because of that goodness which we get from God, which Eric's talked about and Floyd have talked about, how he just transfer us, since he's the paradigm of goodness, every once in a while we can do good things. God always does good things. Always. I'm going to tell you a little story um, about... And I've stood up here before you and confessed the fact that I, I, because of the way I grew up being very poor, not as poor, no, not nearly as bad as those poor kids in South Korea, but, you know, truly hungry sometimes. Christmas wasn't a real big thing present-wise around my house, and it caused really deep-seated anxieties in me. And I thought from a very early age, I am not going to be like this when I'm an adult. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. To, to dig in and get myself out of this situation. I am going to study hard. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make money, and I'm going to buy what I want to buy. And you know what? I became an adult who was uh, a workaholic, was obsessed about money, and was really bad at keeping it. That was my will. <laughs> God had a better plan for my life. 
And one of the things, how he prepared me to this is when I, before I came into this world, I was, uh, I was in the hotel world. And one of the things I was very good at um, was making budgets. And so I would put in charge of making budgets for not only the property that I managed, but for an entire portfolio of hotels. So at one time there were 27 hotels, and my wife will attest to this. I was up all hours of the nights doing these budgets. And, you know, you, you, you have to budget for the number of pillowcases, the number of hours front desk clicks are going to, the number of vacuum cleaners you're going to need, so on. Everything down to the last penny, you had to say, I'm going to sell this many rooms for this much money to make this much so that at the bottom line we make some sort of profit or at least break even. That's what you do when you're making a budget. In the real world, in the church world, completely different. And it took... Oh, I had ulcers for the first two years I worked here, right? I was like, oh, I was like, this is not, we're not, there's no way it's not going to work out. I'm looking at how much the giving is and how much all of this happens, costs, and, 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 and I had to keep praying and praying and praying about it. And guess what? God was always faithful. Somehow, it always worked out. God would say, Brian, I want you to budget for X, Y, and Z. And I would say back to God, I only have money for X and Y. And he would say, I don't care. Budget for Z as well. And I'm like, okay. And I had to learn to know that Z, because it was God's will, was going to be taken care of. And that transferred into my own life. And I started to realize that if I'm doing God's will, he will provide the daily bread. So... And because Doug's here, I'm going to call him out on this. I haven't told him I was going to share this story, but I'm going to do it anyway. When Doug first came on the board of directors, you have to understand Doug is a money guy too. He loves money. He loves numbers. And he makes these huge giant budgets and figures out where he can save money. And he's just, he's like, he's a little bit like Scrooge, his wife tells me. But, um, but much better looking. So you're, you're a much better looking guy. But he's very good at what he does. And so he comes in, he's on the board and he comes in. Um, for our first meeting, um, and he looked at the budget for the first time, and he's like, whoa, dude, say, hey, you got something wrong. You don't understand how this budgeting thing works. You're, you're missing $50,000 here. You've, you've budgeted for X, Y, and Z, but you, you only got money for X and Y. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It drove me crazy, too, for a couple of years. Just get used to it. And he's like, what? <laughs> I'm supposed to be on the board of directors. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, God has told us we're supposed to do these things and I know we don't have the money. He's like, where's it going to come from? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, all right. Well, he's a good man of God. He trusted. He's like, all right, well, he's not lying to me. So he leaves my office and I'm like, phew. You know, I, and, uh, and immediately somebody knocks at the door and I'm like, oh, hi, come in. And I hadn't said too much to this, this person um, before. I knew who he was. Um, and I knew he'd come to church here, and we hadn't had much interaction. He comes in, and he starts asking me questions about the budget. Nobody ever asks me questions about the budget. I make a really cool budget. If you guys want to know about it, come in. I'll show you. It's really neat. And he starts asking me about how the money gets spent and where it gets channeled to. And, and I tell him, he's like, oh, okay, that's great. I just wanted to make sure that everything was on the up and up. And I'm like, I should hope so. And so he writes a check, and he walks out. And I'm, I go to the safe to put the check in, and I look down, and the check's for $60,000. This is a true story. I'm like, hey, Doug. I get him on the phone. You know that $50,000 we were looking for? Plus 10 for good measure. He's, that's the way he is. 
And I know we all have personal needs and we're praying for them. And we believe that God can do the power, has the power to do anything. And he can meet our needs. All right? But we really have to believe that he's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. When the children of Israel were dying of thirst, when they were out there in the wilderness, what happened? Moses took out a stick, bam, struck a rock. Fountain came out. Remember that? In the New Testament, the same sort of thing happens. There's a story in Acts uh, chapter 12. In the middle of the night, uh, Peter was, uh, at this time, was in jail. He was chained. He had two guards, 14 other guards stationed around the cell and the prison doors. And in the middle of the night, an angel woke Peter. The chains fell off. The angels let him out of the prison. Peter thought he was dreaming, right? Then he hits the, uh, gets out in the fresh air and he hits him in the face and he wakes up and he goes, okay, I'm not dreaming, so I'm going to go and find out where my friends are. He goes and knocks on the door, the house of Mary, John Mark's mother, where the Christian community was praying for him. He knocks on the door and a servant girl named Rhoda heard his voice and she was so excited. She failed to open the door. She was like, what? And she went and told everybody else. He said, Peter's at the door. And they're like, you're crazy. It can't be Peter. Peter's in jail. And of course, they all came to the door and they opened it up. And there he was. The Christian community at that time was probably no more inclined to believe that Peter was going to get out of jail. Uh, Some angel was going to come in there and and take care of this. And yet they prayed anyway. They prayed faithfully. I I had no reason to believe that somebody was going to walk into my office with that check. If I were faithful and did what I was supposed to do. But I prayed about it. I believed that it was going to happen. I had no idea how it was going to happen. But God did. He knew how it was going to happen. He knew how Peter was going to get out of it. He knew how the Jews were going to get water in Israel. How does that prayer begin that we're doing? Our Father, never forget that we're children of an awesome, loving God. Next slide, please. And remember this. Let's look at that one. The ultimate bread is Jesus Christ. We need a lot of things in our life, but we don't need anything more than we need Jesus Christ. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I'm the bread of life. The the human heart, because of who we are and how we're created, has a deep, desire and appetite to worship the human spirit needs to know that there's something beyond this life our most basic needs are for forgiveness for love for security these things are all met by god and everything else by the way but all these things are provided by the cross And it's available to every one of us. All the riches of heaven available to every single one of us. It's an amazing free gift that we have. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we'll go ahead and finish up here. But I have some homework for you. Slide, please. For this week. 
Sorry, you're not getting out of here without homework. Uh, They'll do it eventually. It's in your bulletins too. I want you to ask God when you pray this week for some things. But what I want you to do first is I want you to think about what the most pressing need in your life is. It might be for you think you, you, you need a husband or a wife. You might think you need some way to control your kids to get them to behave. It might be for financial things. It's tax time. I understand how that's causing a lot of anxiety in people's life. It's winter. It may be for sunlight, which we got, so your prayers have already been answered. But think about it. And then I want you to ask God for help. And you need to be specific. If you give him general prayers, you're going to get general answers, okay? Be specific about what it is that you need from God. And then what I want you to do is thank him in advance. And finally, get up off your knees, walk in faith that he will be faithful because we know he is faithful. All right? Pretty easy stuff, but you need to start practicing it because it doesn't happen overnight. And you might find yourselves asking for things and and God's trying to tell you some stuff, but you're trying to grab back the reins and you're like, why didn't you give me this? And God's been trying to tell you because I wanted you to have this. This was more important. So you got to practice this. You got to get to know it. And the verse I want you to think about this week is from Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Read this. Think about it. Let it sit inside your soul. Let it ruminate. It's like this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches, may he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, That is in work within us. Let us pray. Lord, you are a mighty God. You are a a giving and a generous God. You are a loving Father. You are our provider. You sustain us from moment to moment. And Lord, we just want to let you know and recommit ourselves to you. We want to, every time we take a breath, know that that breath ultimately comes from you. You are our source of everything we want to depend on you we want to know when we go to bed that we hold you in our hands and in our hearts that the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning before we open our eyes is thank you for another day thank you that your bread will be provided in jesus name we pray amen have a great week everybody Thank you.